You back inside? Cooking more stew? Uh, no, I'm ready to go. Oh, or, okay. Well, we should probably wait until uh, daytime. Yeah. I'd say we could sleep, but all my beds are gone. <laughs> wait, I think there's one upstairs. Yeah, like way upstairs. Yeah, right here. There we go. I'm sleeping. Yep. Bed, my bed won't. I can't. <laughs> I need a fire. Oh. Just bring it down here. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't have a weapon. Can you break it? <laughs> can you do everything? Can you, can you hold my hand, dude? You tuck me in it. once it's been. Yeah, I got you. I'm getting your favorite story. You want a good night <laughs> Uh, uh, just read me the script to the Serbian film, okay. and uh, yeah, That's start with uh the middle though. Okay. I, I don't need the build up. So he uh, he takes the fetus out of the wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like he's banging the baby. <laughs> uh, let me repair some stuff first. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dick's Talk Flicks. My name is Greg and I am joined by my co-host, a man who has the Pain Olympics as his homepage. <laughs> Billy, how you doing? It's on my MySpace page, dude. The pain. <laughs> That's so fun. I was just talking about that the other day at work because uh, we have a young kid employee and he like cannot comprehend that, that that people do that kind of stuff for pleasure, dude. It's so funny. I was like, just Google that. Google Pain Olympics. You'll see. Yeah. And uh, speaking of young people, I think this one will be uh, especially funny for them because... <laughs> Uh, the reason why I picked today's movie is because, uh, like many young people who, who start surfing the internet for the first time, uh, you start looking at uh, uh, things that maybe you shouldn't be looking at. You start looking up things that <laughs> <laughs> you maybe shouldn't be delving into, or maybe it just kind of happens to, to fall into your lap, as, as things tend to do in the internet. And I discovered this movie, uh, one of those late nights, just looking up weird stuff like a Serbian film and this and that. And this film, surprisingly, is directed by what many people might consider their one of their favorite modern directors, although I suppose he's not so modern anymore. Mr. Peter Jackson. It's even published by his own film publishing company, Wingnut Films or Wingnut Pictures. And that film is Meet the Feebles. Billy, how much did you know about this movie before going into it? You know what's funny is I've watched, or I grew up watching old Peter Jackson movies like Bad Taste and Dead Alive and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but I had never seen Meet the Feebles, uh, so I didn't know a whole lot about it, and once you brought mm -hmm. it up and I realized what the hell it was, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm so stoked for this. For sure, for sure. Might be because this movie probably had a fairly limited release. Probably because it was extremely low budget. I uh, saw in some of the trivia that they ran out of money at one point and they had to do various yeah. tricky things to get the film released. You can even tell there's basically no refurbished versions of this film. 
And uh, as of this recording, you can view the entire thing on YouTube right now. Even my, my roommate bought a, a DVD of it maybe about a month or so ago. And even the DVD quality is pretty not great. <laughs> but despite that, and I think maybe it adds to it a bit. It gives the the film grain gives it a, a sort of grindhouse kind of feel to it. A very very lowbrow, very uh, what do you want to call it? Independent kind of feel to it. I don't know. It just, it's a very nostalgic kind of uh, feel to it. I suppose. I don't know what word I would use to describe it. Well, it adds kind of. I mean, it's basically adult Sesame Street. You know what I mean? So <laughs> having that grain just makes you feel like you're still a kid watching PBS, but obviously much different <laughs> for sure for sure i watched this uh, actually on tubi tubi had it but i forgot tubi has those like terrible timed commercials uh so i would, i suffered through it i was so mad man it would throw me out every time but the movie was damn. still dope yeah whatever i'm surprised actually this isn't more popular than bad taste because i know bad taste is like his first Hmm. thing or but uh it's kind of like it's kind of garbage dude like as far as quality <laughs> yeah it's not great there's a definitely long stretches in bad taste where there's not much going on but no. then but then it turns around and hits you with some of the most insane shit on earth so. well that's his goat that's his gimmick man as they just go hmm. off the rails at the end but it's literally just him and like two friends filming in their backyard of course yeah. the backyard is gorgeous where they live but still like uh-huh. whatever funny. <laughs> yeah and before we get into it, to also preface this film, uh, there was a a similar film, I'm not sure how many years ago now, called Happy Town Murders. Uh, oh, I yeah. believe it was some sort of SNL movie. It's terrible. The reason why it's terrible is because this film, perhaps being because it's an independent film, feels like you said with bad taste. Is a this film has a a bit of a a bunch of friends just having a crazy idea and just going with it kind of vibe to it. Whereas happy town murders was more like the new age. Uh, what do you call it? Not Sesame street. Um, the Jim Henson one with the frog. And oh that. yeah. Uh, God damn it. Um, the Muppets, the Muppets, yeah. the Muppets, uh, which this, which uh, meet the feebles is very obviously a, a parody of. Oh uh, yeah. Like they came out with a new Muppets show a while ago. They made it more like a modern sitcom where they have real life problems and stuff like that. And Happy Town Murders was essentially like that. It, it's built off the premise of what if a puppet said the fuck word? Isn't that crazy? No, it's not. It's neither an original idea nor a funny idea. Like it's it's terrible. And also, I should preface before we get into this movie. I'm not delaying. I swear. If you're going to show this movie to your friends or whatever, if after listening to this you feel like you got to go and check it out right away and you're going to show it to anybody, don't show them the poster, don't show them the trailer, don't show them anything about the movie because every piece of information you can get outside of just watching the movie spoils the entire thing for some reason. I don't know why they decided to advertise it that way, but it does. But without further ado, let's just get into it. Let's do it. The greatest the most spectacular show in entertainment history. Put your hands together for the fabulous people's variety hour. Some action. I can toss you in 
The movie opens with a narration saying that we are about to watch the Feebles Variety Hour, which, as I said previously, is a, a big parody of the Muppets. The The intro to this as well is a, a big parody of the, the Muppets intro, where they're, they're all the whole ensemble cast is singing and talking about what's going to be a part of the show and this and that. Funny thing about this movie is that it's not quite a musical, but a lot of the music in this movie is not that bad, honestly. It's catchy, at least. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's like uh, Sunday, like Sesame Street and shit. Yeah, exactly. We're introduced to two of the, uh, some of the main cast in this this intro. First is Harry the Rabbit, who comes in on a a giant carrot. He's just the the master of ceremonies, as it is. It just... Telling them, like, we're going to have a great night tonight. It's going to be so cool. And then here's the, the main star, Heidi. And Heidi is this giant hippo with massive tits who <laughs> is played by an actual actor. It's like a guy in a suit, essentially, who comes on. And uh, Heidi is the star. She's she's dressed like an opera singer, essentially. That's kind of her whole gimmick. And her singing voice is an intentionally high-pitched and shrill, annoying kind of thing. It's... <laughs> either one of the best jokes or one of the worst jokes in the movie depending on how you look at it but she she comes on she's singing or whatever and the the intro gets interrupted by this this rat off screen named trevor i'm gonna introduce him and many of the characters as just what their animal is because oh yeah it, it'll be easier to, to 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 visualize it if you visualize them as whatever animal they are as opposed to their character trying to remember every character name because there's a lot of characters in this movie that's and how he wrote my them notes, being too. animals <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure for sure them them being animals plays a, a pretty big part in in terms of size difference and stuff like that like i said heidi is the size of just a regular person and this rat guy, he's the size of, I don't know, like a midget, I guess. But he makes fun of her, saying she's a, a fat cow and past her prime and this and that. This causes her to get extremely upset, so she runs off all animatedly towards the producer, the the guy who runs the whole show. His name is Bletch. We also find out that the director, he's a fox, who's about the size of a fox. His name is Sebastian. He talks with a bit of a lisp, and it's very obvious as the film goes on that he's a, a gay kind of stereotype. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into that a bit later. She runs off to Bletch's office. Bletch, who's also about the size of a person, he's played by a dude in a suit. He's a walrus, and as she runs in, he has the door locked, luckily for him, as he's fucking a, a, a Siamese cat with big tits. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's supposed to be like... Chinese equivalent in real life or whatever, but regardless, he stuffs her in a in a locker or a safe or something, and then goes and unlocks the door for Heidi. He tries to calm her down, and the whole time the the cat is like peering out and like almost spoiling the whole thing. And he's he's got to tell her like, "Oh no, you're beautiful, baby. Just just go, calm down. Like I still love you. This and that." Because they've had a relationship for some time, and that's how he's managed to keep her on that and her being the main part of the show of course but he just tells her to go calm down they'll they'll work it out some other time oh shit i was just about to pop my cookies uh, uh, sorry Heidi. i was just finishing off some paperwork travis being insulting me why that foul-mouthed little rodent i'll give him a, a good talking to if it happens again, I shan't perform. Here, here, Heidi, don't upset yourself. 
I smell perfume? <laughs> You're imagining things, my sweet. Now, uh, you go and rest up. Big night tonight. Come to my room later on. I'll try. <laughs> God, women. Oh, when are you gonna dump that hunkery mall? Hunkery mall, she may be, but she's also our major draw card. Show some guts, Blatch. Get rid of her. God, wouldn't I like to? I'm not waiting around forever. Don't worry, honey. I'm working on it. You see the chick's, uh, the side chick's tail, like, poking out of the locker the whole time? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And he's, he's trying to, to wheel her around to make sure she doesn't <laughs> see it. Yeah. So she calms down because he just tells her sweet nothings. And then she, Heidi invites him back to her room, heavily implying sex. And yeah. he's very, very visibly upset by this. But he says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to stop by. He's completely grossed out by his own girlfriend, but he puts up with her because she's the star. <laughs> exactly. Then in walks in a hedgehog. He's about the size of a hedgehog too. And he's more or less the main character. One of the only characters who's not a horribly terrible person as we come to find out. <laughs> he talks with a, 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 a W lisp instead of, instead of saying R words, he says he replaces it with W. He would say like Roger instead of Roger. Mm-hmm. And we also find out, unfortunately, that his name is Robert. So I'll <laughs> refer to him as Robert from now on. He, uh, he's first greeted by a long-nosed animal, which I think is an ant eater. maybe? It's hard to tell what the heck this thing is. I was confused. As yeah. he's interrupting... Yeah, as he's interrupting him, this this long nosed animal is just sniffing panties. We find out that this guy is just a huge pervert. Yeah. I don't even think he has a job. I don't. Maybe he's like a stagehand or something like that. But he just goes <laughs> around and just like sniffs people's underwear. He uh, he gets blown off by that guy. So then uh, an elephant walks by, another guy in a big suit, and he's all depressed and doesn't want to talk to him. So he just walks off towards his dressing room. Then he meets with a, a fly who's about this. Well, he's a pretty large for a fly. He's about the size of like a person's hand, I guess. Yeah. But this fly is a, a, a journalist. He's a literal fly on the wall. He's kind of like got that New York like reporter accent. Like, give me the news. See, yeah. what do you got? Yeah. He's just the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Robert tells him that he's he's here because he, he wants to be a part of the show. And the fly tries to scare him off by saying that they just work you to the bone and the pace shit and this mm-hmm. and that. And Wobber just says, Well, the Feeble's Variety Hour is one of the biggest shows of all time, so it's honor just to just to work here. And as he's saying this, uh, he catches the attention of a what looks like a, a small poodle, I think, some kind of dog type character. Is very obviously a woman because she has a bow in her hair and lipstick, very <laughs> mini mask But then the fly pisses off, just saying that you know he's an idiot. Whatever, it's your life; you can do what you want. Then a, a, a worm walks in, and he's got a, a Cockney accent. We find out he's like the backstage manager, essentially, and he starts showing Wobbert the ropes. And it's at that point that him and this dog make eye contact with each other, and it's of course love at first sight. We find out that this dog's name is Lucille, or Lucy, and as they're walking along, they almost get run over by Heidi, who's running out in, in exercise equipment, because two people, today, well, somebody's called her fat in the last hour or so, <laughs> so of course she's trying to work it off. After she runs out, though, we get a, another musical number from a guy who 
has like a Jamaican hat on and he's got the kind of like Rastafarian braids and stuff too. It never really comes into play though. And I'm not really sure what animal he's supposed to be, like a frog or something like that. He's a goat. But he, oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha, he's a gotcha, goat. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And he, his, his song is uh, One Leg Missing because he <laughs> only has one leg. <laughs> it's like a Diddy Wop too. It's like Diddy Wop, uh, yeah. yeah, 50s style or whatever. Saying hop a basking in the sun, a dancing and a hopping, having lots of fun. A little sand landing in that hopper's eye, and a little sand hopper said, My oh my, I got one leg missing. I got one leg missing. How do I get around? Yeah, he's got one leg missing, and the part of the chorus is he's asking, how, how does he get around? And the movie never answers that question. He he always just seems to get wheeled <laughs> everywhere. So he is just where he yeah. needs to be. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, after the after the musical number, the the fox is displeased because he's he's meant to be that that very stereotypical stage manager or director or whatever. Where he's just never satisfied with anything. Like mm-hmm. everyone else's ideas is shit, but his ideas are perfect, of course. And so nothing's good enough for him but we find out that wobbert meets up with trevor the rat and trevor tells him to just piss off essentially and we get the first glimpse of uh, a subplot between him and and lucy he's he's lusting after her as she's singing on the stage and thinking how she'd be she'd be really good in bed or whatever the rat's kind of a dickhead like all the time he's just the smoking guy in the corner he even says like uh you might be robert to your friends but you're just fly shit to me get out of here scram (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and, and as Wobber walks off we get a, a yet another character a frog walks in and he's uh trying to get some heroin from trevor he's he's breaking <laughs> down crying this is laid out on the floor he's one of my favorite characters he's <laughs> <laughs> awesome dude it's so good the the structure of this movie is pretty breakneck like we just go from like scene to scene to scene and like try and get all these characters in so if yeah. it seems kind of like whiplash that's kind of how it is in the movie too it's a stage show. It's supposed to be something? like, you know, like Birdman or whatever, where it's, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, or like 30 Rock or whatever. You're just seeing the um, the production of it instead of like the actual uh, show, really, you know? I like that, though. I like the yeah, uh, yeah. like nonstopness of it. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it, it makes for a really good pace. This movie just flies by when you're yeah. watching it. And it's not even short, but it just zooms, man. But in that same line of thinking, we we cut yet again to another backstage moment. There's a, a a very sparkly fish who's trying to to try out, and he just so happens to to meet Bletch as he's moving backstage. So the fish tries out his <laughs> his performance, his audition. Is he just sings a song, and this fish just has a, a very crazy British accent and a really weird voice because he's obviously just meant to be a joke character. Mm-hmm. And as he's singing, Bletch is saying, oh, I've I've got this pain in the, the back of my, my mouth. I, I think I have a toothache or something. Can you can you go back there and look for me? And so he just puts the fish in his mouth and just <laughs> swallows him whole. <laughs> yeah, he didn't give a shit about his act. He just ate him to get rid of him. It's so funny. <laughs> just walk on from there. <laughs> Cut back to Wobbert, though. He's trying to... To work up the courage to to try and talk to Lucille, he's just hanging out outside the the girls' dresser, practicing what he's gonna say to her. And then as the girls walk out, he fumbles over his words. He can't quite get them out, and they just they just walk off without noticing him. And so the worm comes up, and he says, I'll, "I I can help you out with this. Just come with me, and we'll we'll workshop some stuff." 
Cut again, back to Bletch. He is driving around in a big limousine, and his driver is a, a bulldog, another guy in a costume. I don't know why some animals are, are huge and other ones aren't. Like Some <laughs> adhere to their actual size in real life, and we have this bulldog who's the same size as a walrus, but regardless. Well, the whole, the whole show is just a mix of people in costumes or Muppets. That's it. That's It's not like... There's right. like any in between. The bulldog guy looks just like a mascot, like a school mascot, you know, without the yeah, uniform. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, there we get the the subplot with Bletch, how he's been able to to afford running his his studio or whatever. Is he's also a drug dealer on the side? Specifically, they they deal in I think cocaine specifically, and so they're doing handoffs and stuff with this guy in an alleyway, and they're talking about the the side business and everything else that needs to go on. But then we cut to Heidi. She's getting into the a fight with the that same Siamese cat from the beginning. <laughs> and she's calling her like fat and used up and Heidi's shooting back saying she's just a, a slut and hooker and things like that. The Siamese cat though, she's she's been in bed with Bletch for a long time now. And Heidi's been suspecting it for a long time. So she just throws it in her face like, <laughs> oh, he prefers me to you. You're just all used up and this and that. And then they get into an actual fight. Which is hilarious because this cat is just the size of like a child, and Heidi just chucks her into a <laughs> garbage bin with a, a bunch of homeless guys, yeah. which are like a, an octopus and like a fox or some crap. <laughs> They're all cheering her on. They're like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome." That's so good. Cut back to Wobbert again. He's dressed as a mariachi, and he's he's composed this big, huge song, which, again, like all the, the music in this movie, it's actually like pretty well done, unless it's a joke, of course. But yeah. this one's like an actual song, and he plays the Spanish guitar in front of her, her dresser. And in the middle of his song, he gets interrupted because she actually comes out and is looking at him. But he, he finishes the song off strong. He's singing his heart out. And then, of course, she's just head over heels for him. She's just so impressed with this. Yeah, she invites him in afterwards. She serenaded, man. It worked perfectly. <laughs> you are my amour, what I adore, or lose this, this is the way that I must say how my heart feels, oh Lucy, oh Lucy. Again, though, we get to the depressed elephant. He's sitting in his room, and he's he gets off the vibes as like just kind of like a bum, essentially. He's in like a wife beater that has like stains all over it and like loose shorts, and he's sitting in his dressing room, which is just a complete mess. 
He's supposed to be like a beast tamer, I think, and his his beasts, quote unquote, <laughs> since everybody's an animal. They're like little furry, colorful toys, like the kinds you would see back in the day, where it's just like the the fuzzy wugs or whatever. Like you pet them and they vibrate around, like they look like kind of one of those trash throwaway toys. Yeah, exactly. There was no rhyme or reason to them. They were just these cute little fuzzy things. But they're like wrecking his house, <laughs> yeah. dude. They're like puking and pissing all over it. <laughs> yeah, awesome. They're straight up just gremlins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's so good. Yeah, so he gets he gets fed up with them, so he just throws them outside. <laughs> and as it would happen, the worm is trying to get this barrel moved around, and he accidentally pushes it down the stairs. And just as they're standing outside of his his room, his dressing room, they get run over by this barrel. And it's, <laughs> we we get the first sign of of just how gross this movie is going to be because these things get run over, and they don't just get flattened; all their guts are like splayed out. And there's like blood <laughs> flying everywhere. <laughs> And Trevor the Rat's there, too, and he just picks one up and just starts biting into it and eating it. Yeah, just out of nowhere, he comes running over. Dude, it, it reminded me of, like, a Conker's Bad Fur Day skit or something, dude. Yeah, for, you sure, know? for sure. I think that's I think that's a big reason why I like this movie, is just because it, it reminds me so much of that. But Oh, definitely. Uh, it's too good. So then, we cut, once again, back to Bletch. He's playing golf with a, a big warthog who, again, is the size of, a, of an actor. He's just a dude in a suit. Like you said, He's looks like a, a school mascot, except he's covered in leather and chains and stuff like that. He's obviously meant to be a, a biker or a gang member or something like that. Yeah, he looks like Bebop or whatever from the Ninja Turtles. The mm-hmm. Yeah, the, like the rocker pig. Exactly. Too good. Bletch gets a sh- good shot, and then uh, the warthog's up next. The warthog, he just just shoots it as far as he can. He shoots it <laughs> off into the woods, and so they start laughing at it at first. But then we get this happy Gilmore moment where it, it ricochets off a tree and then off the <laughs> yeah, spine yeah. and like a dozen other <laughs> a dozen other things, and he gets a hole in one from that somehow. That's exactly what I wrote too. Yeah. You happy Gilmore the shit out of this thing. He has his own clubs too, which <laughs> I I appreciate it, man, because they're all you know like gimmicky puppets or whatever, and. He had his own personal clubs. There was like metal with chains and like a big spiky, uh, yeah, whatever club at the end of it. Yeah, not sure how that works for aerodynamics and, <laughs> and the weight of the club and stuff like that. But apparently, it works for him because yeah, he's right. shooting these miracle shots. <laughs> Cut back though to once again the the uh, the stage production. We we get to the elephant who we find out his name is Sid, but I'm gonna keep calling him the elephant, of course. Yep. He's talking with the worm guy and says that there's this woman he was sleeping with who she slept with the whole cast, though, and she's coming after him saying that her son is is his son and that he doesn't think so because of her sleeping around and he's denying it, but she's slapping a, a lawsuit case on him for being a bad father and to, to get alimony and stuff like that. And he's trying to deny it, yeah. but he's, he's repressed this whole movie because things just always keep seem to keep going wrong for him. Every scene he's in every, every party plays, he's just always getting shit on. Yeah. He's always crying and always but, being like, Woo. yeah, the whole movie. but no sooner does he say this, that the, that the very woman, uh, the chicken <laughs> and she's the size of the chicken as well she walks uh-huh. in and starts yelling at him and it's it's like something out of a bad sitcom like she's telling him like he's a deadbeat and this and that and like oh look at this kid it's yours it's got to be yours and we look in the crib and it's this horrifying elephant <laughs> tap chicken abomination it's just crying its head off and he's just going oh it can't be mine oh it's the worst oh yeah. no. worms like it's got yeah. your eyes dude it's pretty much yours. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the signifier. It's good as eyes. <laughs> worms. Uh, uh, I forgot to mention the worm. Like these are all dressed up in clothes too. So the worm has like a mm-hmm. like a paperboy hat on and a sweater and shit. Yeah, he's he's very very stereotypical English Brit kind of uh-huh. guy. Yeah. He's even he's even got a face too. Like he he looks like a like a haggard like wrinkly old man essentially. Like a pub crawler. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to Heidi though. She is in her dressing room. She's crying and and eating handfuls of cake. Literally just picking them up by <laughs> yeah. the handfuls and just stuffing them in her mouth. She's got a, a picture book with some old black and white photos that she's going through of when she used to be a club singer back in the day. She runs out of cake and she starts bawling though. And, but we get a flashback, a black and white flashback of when she was a, a pub singer. She still had the same singing voice even back then though. The same high-pitched, horrible <laughs> singing voice, but... All the characters in the movie treat it as if she's like the greatest singer of all time. She's all skinny though. She's not as as big and fat yet. That's true. That's true. But she does still have big tits though. Yeah, and the same size head because she's a hippo. So it's just <laughs> yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. So it looks really weird. Yeah. But conveniently, uh, Bletch just happened to be in that bar that that very night back then, and he asked the bartender, who's I think another worm. But when I was rewatching this movie, they gave this worm like a black guy's face. I think he's got like big lips and he's super dark and stuff. Yeah, go <laughs> go watch that scene again. It's it's really bad. That's hilarious. But but the, he he tells Bletch that she she just came in one night and she's just been rocking it ever since. And Bletch is super interested. He he waits for her number to be over, and she comes over by the bar. And the bartender gives her a drink of champagne or some some kind of light liquid liqueur or something like that. Mm-hmm. Says that oh it was this guy at the end of the bar, and she goes and sits by Bletch. And he's he's schmoozing her up. He's asking her what a pretty young thing like her is doing in a place like this, getting information about her and stuff. We find out that she's just shy of sixteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He tells her though that he's he's gonna start up this company and that he wants her to be the star and she's gonna draw on this big crowd and they're gonna make tons of money together and he straight up seduces her saying like he's gonna love her always and they're gonna do great things together and so on and so forth. From the gentleman with the red carnation. So you're from the east. I hear they got some great swamps out that way. What's a cute young thing like you doing in the big smoke? I'm not so young. In two years, I'll be 18. Really? But you're so well developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, vocally, I mean. My singing teacher said I have enormous lung power. I like your style, Heidi. Really? You got a lot of class, but that sometimes ain't enough. I've seen a lot of girls like you ruined in this town. You need to make the right connections, and that's where I can help. Oh. Are you a producer? I aim to be. I aim to be the best goddamn producer this town has ever seen. I got the contacts. I got the capital. What I need is what you got. Talent. Oh. Heidi, I want to manage you. But I don't even know who you are. They call me... Bletch. Bletch. What a lovely name. And then the flashback ends with them making out and the picture gets taken of them. 
as we look in Heidi's book as she's crying over it. Yeah. She even asked him, she's like, are you a producer? And he's like, an aspiring one. Because <laughs> he was just some fucking <laughs> yeah. guy. He was nobody. Yeah, exactly. Cut back to Bletch, though, and his, his warthog pal. They're doing a, a, a coke deal. He had some of the, the coke hidden in his, uh, what do you call it, putter's bag, I guess. His, yeah, his, his golf his bag. Club, club bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know golf uh, bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They they do the, the, the stereotypical 80s crime movie thing where they, they cut it open and they taste some of it. And, oh, oh, it's yeah. a good quality. It's on, it's on and so forth. And it's Bletch's turn to, to golf next. And the, the warthog guy keeps trying to, to sabotage him by, by sneezing and making noise just as he's about to putt. Doesn't matter, though, because even when it's silent, Bletch just barely misses his, his mark when going for the hole. But then after he, he hits the ball, he throws up all over the place. <laughs> and that fish from earlier, he's all completely dissolved and he's just down to the bone. Yeah. And he goes, Did I pass the audition, Mr. Blake? <laughs> yeah. It was when uh, it was when the pig wa, uh, was up to golf. He to, to distract him. He was oh. like, oh, "I'll puke on him." So he pukes all over the pig's leg, and it's that fish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, dude. Oh man, it's too good. Cut back to the studio once again. Uh, we see Harry, the the rabbit host, the MC. He's having this massive orgy in this room with strobe lights in it, and there's these these bunny prostitutes in there who have their tits out, like genuinely just these puppet tits, <laughs> and they're just like going all over. Like, of course, the rabbit is the the horny one, but mm-hmm. there's the uh, the anteater guy outside. He's just peeking in through the doorway. The door is slightly ajar. And he's leaking out of his nose, and it it's supposed to be snot, but it, it looks like cum, like oh, he's jerking off. It's, there's a reason why he's an anteater, bro, and he's got this shit coming out of his nose. It's uh, This is exactly. like your first sign of, of Peter Jackson's go-to gross like horror humor mm-hmm. shit that he did back in the day, and I fucking love him for it, dude. It's so good. It's so good. But uh, Harry catches him, and he slams the door in his face. And so the the anteater, he he goes off, goes downstairs just because he over the place, and nobody's had the sense to just kick this guy out at this point, I guess. <laughs> he goes downstairs and he finds out that there's a a porno going on downstairs. Trevor the rat, he's been doing a side gig where he's been shooting these really greasy, grimy porn shoots in the basement, and currently it's a. a a roach with a cow in BDSM. Yeah. And the cow is another guy in costume, but it's covered in like leather straps and things like that. And the uh, roach is a Muppet with like a whip and he's just whipping the yeah. cow who's all chained up. But uh when Robin uh, interrupts him, she accidentally sits on the <laughs> sits on the roach when the ghost That's so funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's Wobbert. Wobbert's going downstairs and he sees this. Yeah, and he, he interrupts the shoot because <laughs> he thinks that it's some kind of torture going on or something like that. Right. And then that's when the big reveal comes. And yeah, and the cow sits on the on the roach and suffocates him to death. <laughs> and Wobbert's like, Where am I gonna find a guy now? Oh yeah, she was like, I'm sorry, I thought it was my hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trevor's like, well, you didn't notice you were suffocating him to death under your huge ass. Yeah. Uh, but then they that. like feed the bug, the roach guy, to this giant monster in a hole, dude. Like what the hell? 
<laughs> yeah, there's a lot of very weird parts in this movie, and that's one of the stranger ones. Yeah, there's just a giant trash compactor monster from like <laughs> Star Wars or something inside inside the trash to this place, and they just throw the roach's dead body at it and it eats him. But yeah, no, Trevor gets the idea of, of recruiting the anteater guy, so then he goes to the laundry because, of course, the anteater is just sniffing everyone's laundry, <laughs> and and apparently Trevor had been waiting there. For some time, because he he jumps up out of the laundry basket that still has clothes <laughs> in it, <laughs> and he he gives some some panties to the anteater guy. He says, uh, "This one's got a, a very potent odor to it," and that that just instantly recruits the anteater. He's he's all for this now. He's been bred. Oh yeah. But before we continue that subplot, we cut over to the frog, the junkie frog from earlier. And we find out that he's the knife thrower, the the worst possible thing he could be as a junkie <laughs> in this show. <laughs> he's he's got the shakes really bad as he's trying to do his act, and there's some some cat lady tied up on one of those spinning wheel things, like you see at carnivals or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's spinning around and around, and he's trying to throw knives at her, trying not to hit her, but then he hits her right in the stomach, and they have to, to cart her away. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the frogs. Uh, he's talking with the the fox director, and he says, oh, "I'm sorry, I haven't gotten my my fix in some time." <laughs> and so he goes off to to do, go lie down. Every time someone dies, too, it's like nonchalant. They just clean it up and move on. They're like, "Whatever, next scene." <laughs> yeah, we find out that that particular cat, though, she does actually manage to pull through. But in the next scene, <laughs> in the next scene. Uh, we get a the bulldog guy. He's apparently also one of the the lead vocalists. He's like an opera singer, so he's got this huge musical number where he's walking on the ramparts dressed as a centurion or whatever, singing about something or other in Latin. The, uh, this one's like big theatrics, so it's got fireworks and shit for once, and like smoke and everything. Yeah. It looks cool. was wrong with that who is holding that red pennant me sir and what on earth do you think you're doing i'm patrolling the moat sir patrolling the moat i see wobbert interrupts the the number because he, he keeps walking around <laughs> and when the when the fox director asks him why he's not just standing at his mark wobbert says well in stage class, my my teacher would always say you should thoroughly research a part before you you try and act it out. And the Roman guards in the before time would be patrolling the, the 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 ramparts because they'd be looking out for gulls and this and that. And the fox director's just like, I don't care. <laughs> just stand on your mark. Don't move. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Yeah. So then they start they start the whole number back up again, and of course, Robert interrupts and and just just can't comprehend why his character would just stay in one place he says i i'm just lacking motivation i just don't know i I can't get into character if i can't get into what my character is supposed to be doing and so this is at the point where the the worm comes out and says oh that that cat lady she's she's making a recovery she'll probably be good but then the fox director goes no i I think we'll have a replacement for that act and he looks over at wobbert Uh uh-huh he hates this kid already dude 
he goes off to the frog guy to to try and see if they can't practice the act a little bit before the big show. And the frog guy, his dressing room is just like a closet, essentially. <laughs> and he just has a hammock with a bunch of drug paraphernalia all around it. <laughs> and we find out that, well, first off, he, he tries to shake him down for drugs, ask him if he has any. And Wobbert, he's a, he's a Boy Scout, so he says, no, I don't think it's right to abuse your body like that. And the, the frog says, well, you, when you, you've been through the stuff I have, you'll know why I do the things I do. And it turns out the frog <laughs> is a, a, an actual literal Vietnam vet. <laughs> and we get an extended flashback of his time in Vietnam, and like fighting against the, the Viet Cong, which in this they're like gophers, I think. But they're very, very <laughs> racist depictions of like yeah. Vietnam I didn't soldiers. Feel, with, like... I didn't feel comfortable <laughs> guessing what kind of animal it was. I couldn't tell, dude. It was so funny. Yeah. It just looks like a very furry Asian man. Yeah, they've got like <laughs> slanted eyes and, oh, yeah. and rice farmer hats and shit. It's so funny. But we get this scene where he he had this best friend who's like this big buff bullfrog or whatever, mm-hmm. and he he saved him when he got shot in the in the middle of no man's land. He ran out under the cover of fire and, and picked him up and carried him back, and they're close comrades ever since. But then uh, <laughs> also, if you're gonna watch this movie, uh, know that they use extensive use of the g word if you've never watched a vietnam film before there's a uh, a very prevalent uh, racist terminology that yeah. that uh, vietnam vets and soldiers would use back then to to refer to the Viet Cong. uh i'm not gonna say it on this podcast because i i don't know if that would get it taken down or not but <laughs> just a just a forewarning that uh that's maybe one of the worst parts of this very gross movie but anyhow <laughs> it's a 1989 movie. I mean, you yeah, 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 for, for sure, for sure. Anyhow, we get later on in their career and they're out patrolling in the middle of the jungle. Uh, they go back for one of their guys because they notice that he's missing from the line. And as they're they're crawling through the brush, they just see his head, and they're like, "Oh, we thought they thought they we thought they they got you." And then they pull back the brush a little bit more, and his head's on a pike. And the Viet Cong jump out and ambush them all, and of course they're they're captured now. So we get a, a a long sequence of them being put in like dirt holes and wooden cages and <laughs> stuff like that, and we get a weird scene where uh, two Viet Cong soldiers are talking with each other about the downsides of socialism and how they they don't mind having like private enterprises and stuff like that so long as it it meets up with like the general people's values and stuff. It's a very weird, very weird exchange, but anyway. And they make all the soldiers go through the whole rundown like those old war movies where they have like. <laughs> one-on-one fights to the death or uh-huh. like, <laughs> yeah all the torture shit it's so funny exactly. and so we get down to the last two guys our our frog friend and his his buff bullfrog guy and they're reenacting the the scene of the, the deer hunter which if you've never seen that movie it's two guys sitting across from the table <laughs> and they have to play russian roulette with each other which is where you have one bullet in a in a revolver pistol and you just pull the trigger until one guy hits the the actual bullet so it gets down to the wire. The Viet Cong are, are cheering them on, like, "Yeah, do it! Pull the trigger! Yeah, yeah!" <laughs> and he, he gets scared and he pulls the gun away. And just like, just like the Happy Gilmore scene from before, the bullet ricochets all over around this whole place, hitting pots and pans and all this crap. And it just so happens to conveniently kill all the Viet Cong they're in the room with. And they, just, it's just him and the other guy just sitting there, like, "Oh, well, okay, I guess." <laughs> So they run off. They run off because they're they're escaping, and the Viet Cong are short after them. 
and the bullfrog guy he he falls into a hole and so he's he's screaming out for him like help me you got to come back and help me and he just gets scared though he runs off into the jungle and, and leaves him behind and so we we find out as we flash back to the the present frog guy saying that the next thing he knew he was in a in a hospital in saigon and they were pumping him full of every drug known to man and so that's the reason why he is the way he is now because he just never got over that moment it was six months before i got out of that saigon hospital by then i was hooked on every barbiturate known to man Gosh, what an awful time you've had. Uh, hey, kid, uh, you want to express your sympathy in some kind of material way? How can I do that? Vietnam Vets Association. We are badly underfunded. A minimum donation of uh, 50 bucks. Oh. Thanks, kid. <laughs> The association was in bad need of a cash injection. And then he asks for a donation. He's like, hey, kid, you got 50 bucks? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, yeah, Robert says, how do I, how do I help you? And he says, well, the, the, the Vietnam Veterans Relief Fund is severely underfunded. So he puts like a 20 in there. <laughs> and for a guy who looks in, he says, oh, it's a minimum $50 donation. Yeah, right. And his dressing room's fucking scurvy as hell. It's all dark with, like, the red light bulb, and, and he's hanging on a hammock and shit. There was a scene before this flashback, too, I just don't want to forget, where uh, the rabbit was in the bathroom, like, trying to hype himself up, but he's, like, starting to look kind of gross. So he's he, like, feels horrible, and he thinks he got something from those two ladies when he was bagging them. Someone from the toilet starts talking shit to him, and he goes and looks. It ends up being the fly, who's just like yeah. <laughs> sitting in there munching on the shit, like the puppet <laughs> is sitting on this giant turd. And he's, he has poop all over his mouth and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an important scene because yeah, that's Harry's subplot is he's he's got like eye crust and he's he's looking all gross. He's got like boils and stuff, and of course he thinks he's got some kind of venereal disease, but he doesn't want to admit it. But the like you said, the fly. Since he's a, a journalist, a big scummy journalist, he's threatening Harry to to take his pictures and put them all over the front page and how this is going to yep. be big news and all this. We move on from that, though. Trevor has got the uh, the anteater guy in his little sex dungeon now. <laughs> and uh, he's trying to, to to get him to just have sex with the, the cow lady, and he just can't get a boner. So then <laughs> Trevor gives him the panties again, and that just gets him right in the mood. So then he just goes at it. Yeah, he needs dirty uh, panties. It's weird. <laughs> and uh, he takes the, the, the finished video to Bletch. And uh, we just see the uh, the anteater is, like, fucking the cow in all these weird ways. He's, like, sticking his nose in, like, her, her ass and stuff. And, <laughs> and Trevor says, well, this is a, a new thing. This is nasal sex. I think people are going to love this. It's, it's a brand new category. And Bletch tells Trevor, like, oh, I don't think... I don't think people want these big fat udders anymore. People want something more small and petite. And Trevor says, "Well, I think I got just the chick for the job." And he's he's talking about Lucille, of course. We get a cut to the Fox director of all th- of all people, though, and he goes, <laughs> "And this is one of the only characters who's not an animal for some reason. At least, if he is an animal, I don't know what he's supposed to be." But he goes into 
in this one actor's dressing room, and it's this very stereotypical Indian mystic. He's sitting on a bed of nails, and he's got this Indian music playing with candles lit all around him. <laughs> and the the director is pissed because he says, "Well, you're supposed to be on stage so we can practice." And like ten minutes ago, like what the hell have you been doing? And the Indians saying all these things like, "Oh, I am immune to your cynicism. I am practicing my chakraga or whatever the hell." And he says something something off color to him, and so we we cut to the Indian on stage. I, you know what I think uh, he is? Uh, I think he's he, actually a camel. Oh, yeah, because okay. his limbs are all really, really long, but his torso is just kind of like, yeah, he looks like Gandhi, kind of. He's just like, you know, the yeah. straight up Indian dude, smiling yeah, exactly. with like a little turban on, but in underwear. That's it, it, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he doesn't look like an animal. He just looks like an Indian. Guy, exactly. But, yeah, for sure. But anyway, before that, though, cut back to Harry. He's going to a doctor who just happened to be a duck. <laughs> and he's got a really high-pitched nasally accent for some reason. And the doctor's going over his, his test results with Harry. And he's he's really apprehensive about it. He says, oh, I don't want to tell you this, Harry, but I think this is <laughs> the big one. Doesn't say what the disease actually is, but it's it's very heavily implied that it's supposed to be AIDS. Because, like you said, this is 1989, and that was all the rage at this point in time, which... Just kind of adds even more to the tastelessness of this movie, but eh, what are you going to do? I mean, it was prevalent at the time. So yeah, exactly. It's culturally relevant, you know? It is what it is. So. Exactly. So the doctor's saying, you've got about 10 to 12, and Harry says, months? And the doctor goes, no, hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's super AIDS, I guess. It's just going to kill him immediately. Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> But Harry asked the doctor not to tell anybody. He wants to, to go on and still perform tonight because he wants his, his last memories and last moments to be to be happy ones. But of course, the, the fly is on the wall and he's, he's been spying this whole thing. So then we get to the, the Indian guy. He's playing his, his flute or whatever instrument that is that they do with snake charming acts. And instead of a snake, it's just the, the worm guy. He's just coming out of the basket. But then the fox is like, eh, this part's boring. Let's get to the other part of the act. So then the Indian guy, he's he's practicing his yoga. He's, like, bending his limbs in all these weird ways. <laughs> yeah. And he he bends over to, to put his head near his crotch. But he accidentally falls off his bed of nails. And he, he literally <laughs> shoves his head up his ass. <laughs> and the fox says, oh, I thought this was part of your act. We could have called it Passage to India. And then we get, like, a gong sound effect. <laughs> Uh, it's so it's an awesome uh, puppet, dude. Because he's literally like rolled into his ass. It's so funny. Uh -huh. Oh god! But the fox is is pretty much just fed up at this point. He's he's, he's getting the, near the end of his rope, so he goes to Bletch, begging to have his song included. And we get a, a a little bit of the chords from from his song as he's gonna perform it at the end of the movie. But he's telling him like. I've got the whole number prepared out. We've got we've got the stage and everything set up. The whole thing is practice. Because, of course, he's been working on his portion of the show that he wants to put in more than he has everyone else's. But Butch is saying, no, we can't put that in. This is going to be a, a televised series that we want to appeal to as many people as possible. And there's no way we're going to be able to put that in. And so <laughs> he throws the fox out, and the fox is all pissed off. But he just goes back to, goes back to trying to, to pull the show together. Cut to Heidi now, though. She's run off to a, a bakery, and the bakery is run by a, a, a very German owl. I don't know why it's... I mean, I guess Germans are, are pretty well-associated with pastries. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know why he had to be an owl, but I suppose why not have him an owl? I, I think there is uh, like an owl mascot with that, like, what was that called? That Swiss overalls look. I think there uh, is one. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, Heidi, she's coming in and she comes in pretty regularly because he, he recognizes her and he's immediately offers her some sort of cake or something like that, which she just immediately wolfs down. And she keeps pointing at all these other pastries and he's just putting them onto the counter. And it eventually gets to the point where he's just putting them on as fast as possible and she's just shoving them down as, as quick <laughs> as can be. And after a time, she's laying out on the floor just covered in just cake and frosting and stuff like that. And he's used up his entire stock. And he's asks her, is there anything more I can get you? And she says, well, maybe something to go would be nice. And he looks over to his, his last cake that he has. And he's like, you want that one? <laughs> she just nods and takes the cake off back to the show. She just eats her feelings, man. Mm -hmm. We get the fly. Yeah, Harry's still at the hospital. And the fly is crawling under his sheets and like taking pictures of like his junk and stuff. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. Harry's trying to get him to go away. He's super distraught about this. And the fly is just like, the truth will always get out, Harry. Investigative journalism always wins at the end. The rabbit looks terrible, too. He's got crust, like, all over and uh, sores and shit, man. Uh, uh, he's, he's all green. It looks like somebody threw up on him. It's horrible. He's even like, I'll give you my whole life insurance if you keep this a secret, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the fly says no deal. He's he's gonna make a lot more money off of selling headline newspapers than he will off of any insurance policy. So. I was sorry to hear about your fatal disease. Do you have any comments? It's slander. It's libel. I have no fatal disease. I'm perfectly healthy. Let me just see what Doctor Quack has to say. Ahem. <clears throat> There's only one disease that fits these symptoms. It's the big one, Harry. to the production once again Robert and Lucy they're, they're talking about how they're getting engaged now <laughs> I don't know how long it's been I, I think this is all taking place over like 24 hours or something like that but regardless they're talking about how they're going to have a beautiful life together and this and that and Lucy says well I gotta go do my practice number I'm gonna go to my dressing room now Robert walks off and here's what happens to be there but Trevor and so Trevor's like oh I'm so happy you guys are getting engaged try some champagne with me and so he pressures her into drinking with him and of course he's laced it with some kind of drug so she immediately starts passing out and he's getting all up on her he's ripping her dress off and like molesting her and stuff and Robert walks back because he, he forgot something in the dressing room and of course catches them in the act 
Trevor walks off and pretends like they they just done it and how he, he should be happy because he's getting like really fine sloppy seconds or something like that something horrible yeah <laughs> and Wobbert's pissed he he can't believe it he he thinks Lucy is this this drinker because Wobbert's very straight edge he can't believe that she would drink and have sex with somebody else at that and he's all perturbed and upset so he runs off before Lucy can explain herself innocent little robber he couldn't he can't dream of this scenario dude but then we get what i think is supposed to be the 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 centerpiece number starring heidi called garden of love it's this huge set production like the roman one from before there's this gazebo with a a a seat swing in the middle of it and a a big idyllic garden with a, a lake and or a pond i guess and heidi comes down from a a moon i think and it, it drops her off and she's trying to do the number as best she can but she keeps burping because she'd just eaten a whole bakery <laughs> yeah. of course yeah but she's also falling over stuff because she she can't keep balance because she's put on a bunch of weight and stuff too and she accidentally falls into the pond which is apparently filled with real water for some reason and it gets on the the big industrial fan that's supposed to add ambiance to the scene, and it just goes haywire and gets put up to the the highest possible wattage, so it's just blowing <laughs> wind as as fast as possible and knocking the whole set over and pushes her over and everything. She's this a trooper, a whole... though. She was trying to like finish the whole song while being blown around for a minute. She's yeah. a professional. Yeah, but it. It blows the whole stage production over. And so the fox, he's pissed. He runs up on stage and stands on top of her. And he asks her what she's been doing, why she's screwing up the number. And she finds a a piece of cake on her dress. And he tells her, like, you're under contract. You're not supposed to eat anything the night of a performance. And she says, I was depressed. And he goes, (laughs) you're depressed? You're depressed? Yeah. I'm trying to get this whole shit show together, and you're off breaking her contract ruining this whole production and he just lays into her which of course makes her upset and so when she's upset she runs off to bletch and he's just sitting on the stage just holding his head in his hands as this what's left of the set is just crumbling behind him just, he's just <laughs> wondering how he's gonna pull this shit together it's it's opening night too so everything's going wrong it's the night of the premiere
And uh, I forgot to mention earlier, this is more than just a premiere. The, it's been a stage show for a while, but Bletch has been arranging things. And so this premiere is going to be televised, and which is why it's such a big deal while we're following the events and why everybody's so stressed out about everything because they're trying to make sure everything goes perfect. And of course, like with any production, everything's going wrong at the last second. Always, man. She busts into Blush's office, though. And, of course, he probably should have locked his door, but he's getting sucked <laughs> off by the Siamese cat under the table. <laughs> and she looks under and sees her there, and she's just shocked. She can't believe it. She just runs off to her dressing room and locks the door behind her. She's just unconsolable, but everybody's trying to, to cheer her up and talk through the door, and she's just throwing shit around and just having a fit. Now the the Let's rabbit see. he's he's walking around just spraying the bug spray all over the place because he uh -huh. he's trying to get this fly he's spraying it like in the toilets and shit and he looks uh -huh. terrible like a zombie ish now uh -huh. it, it, it's going fast that ten hour thing's for sure but mm -hmm. <laughs> he misses the fly because the fly is like in the back of the toilet thing you know like the upper decker part and mm -hmm. he's got like a uh, what's it called like the photo development room in there the dark room yeah exactly <laughs> it's too good. Then we get a scene of the warthog guy, the drug dealer guy. He had a little assistant that was like a like a jackal or something like that. Just like a really weird, mangy rat-looking thing. Bletch's assistant, the the bulldog, he's going to some alleyway to uh, to pick up the drop-off. And uh, this little jackal guy, he's he's really nervous about the whole thing because they're doing it late at night. And like he doesn't have any backup or anything like that so when the bulldog pulls up and and tastes some of the coke he's like oh this seems a little off maybe you want to like come back and we can test this out a bit more and then as the jackal looks to try and see if he can get away bletch and and trevor the rat are covering the other alleyways of the other means of escape so they they strong arm him into coming back to the, the studio the uh what do you call it I've, I've been calling it just the the production this whole time it's uh it is a, the theater uh, a theater they, yeah 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 come back to of them so they go to bletch's office bletch is is gonna have the the bulldog do a line but in walks the anteater conveniently so they're <laughs> like hey guy you like putting things up your nose how about you try this line of coke and so he's like all right sure so he immediately sniffs the whole thing down and of course it's not coke and it immediately melts his nose in half <laughs> and so when <laughs> bletch guy. goes to yeah exactly <laughs> he's, he's just dead immediately Bletch goes to taste it, and it turns out it's borax, which is a real thing. It's used in, like, cleaning products and things and stuff like yep. that, I think. Though. Yeah, that's a real uh, thing. They would do that to people. Terrible, though. That's horrible. Oh, I couldn't imagine, dude. Unreal. So Bletch knows that the jig is up. He's been... He's getting screwed over. So he he gets this little jackal guy to try to, to tell him where the actual shipment is going to be. So, of course, he's just this mangy little guy. He squeals and says that the real shipment is off by the docks tonight. And so Bletch just makes a makes a note of it. They're going down there tonight to get the rest of the shipment. But before they go, they have this little jackal guy. Uh, they just shove the rest of the borax down his nose, <laughs> and it it literally melts him from the feet down. <laughs> like the Wicked Witch, dude. He's just goes yeah. down into a puddle, yeah. It's too good. And then the boss, like, typical crime mob leader, he pushes a button on his desk and a wall of guns circles out. Yeah, he just has this whole armory and arsenal in his in his his room. But as they're leaving to go fuck shit up and, and get the the rest of the the shipment, the director, the fox guy, he comes up to him, and tells him that the whole show is off because Heidi won't come out of her room. And he told the the producers, and the producers say that the whole production is off. They're not going to get funding. They're not going to film tonight because they want Heidi. Everyone's coming to come see Heidi. 
And so Butch is like, all right, give me five minutes. I'll, I'll sort this out. So he goes into Heidi's room. And she's pissed at him, of course. She 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 still can't believe it. But he's he's telling her these sweet nothings, saying, "Oh, she means nothing to me, babe. I I love you always. <laughs> you're you're the only thing that means anything to me." And so Heidi's trying to get him to prove it. She's she's getting all sexy for him and stuff, and is like pulling down his pants. And so we hear noise from the outside while the other characters listening in as they're having quick sex. <laughs> and then he breath and he goes. The production is back on. <laughs> yeah, they're all waiting the news. It's so funny. Yeah, so they're all cheering like, "Yeah, we're gonna be able to keep our job." <laughs> Cut to the docks, though. The warthog is is having a conversation with a uh, a very Australian crab, and the crab also, for some reason, is the size of a, of a man. These guys look like Power Ranger <laughs> talking... bosses, dude. They they <laughs> yeah, they're like the exactly most cr- like crabbish things ever. It's so funny. It's so good. They're they're having this insane conversation about how they like are killing and torturing people because they're just like these super bad just gangsters and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the crab is saying like, "Oh, that's horrible, mate. Like, imagine the last thing he sees is like your ugly face as you plunge a knife into your neck." <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, wait, what's that?" <laughs> and and Bletch's limo just comes careening off, bowls the crab over into a warehouse, and they bust through and get to the dock. And the this whole gang is made out of crabs, of course. And, and as they're coming up to them, they're like jump hopping from side to side like crabs do. <laughs> so <laughs> the warthog gets out. He gets like a knife or something. And he's like cutting up all these crabs and like tearing them to pieces. Trevor's got like a Tommy gun and he's like shooting up all the other crabs as they're coming in. And like you said, this whole scene is like a Power Rangers scene. They're just like coming in one at a time and just getting their asses kicked. It's so funny. They're like ripping the crab legs off, like, and it looks like if you really ripped a crab crab leg open, like the meat inside. Of yeah. it. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, man. It's so good. And the warthog guy, he's he's coming careening because he wants a piece of the action. Somebody turns around. I think it's either Bletch or the warthog turns around and stabs him in the chest. He doesn't even get a chance to do anything, and he just immediately falls over dead. So they get all the shipment. They get all the drugs off of the the big freighter, and they they load the limo up with it. And as they're going to drive off, the bulldog, he's the driver. But as he's going in to get in the driver's seat, there's a giant spider for some reason. <laughs> yeah, dude. Just because like, uh... <laughs> Peter Jackson just felt like having a giant spider in the movie. Because I mean, the hell with it. Well, know. it was like loading the cargo. It was using its like webs to uh... lift it up. Yeah, and all the crabs were just standing there like shaking around and shit. But this thing is massive compared to the crabs. Sure. It's like the size of like a yeah. bus. <laughs> Yeah, it's the size of the whole limousine. Yeah. So it, it picks up the bulldog. It bites his head off. He's fucking dead. <laughs> so Trevor gets into the driver's seat. <laughs> he, he tries driving off, and then the, the spider just jumps onto the limo. So they're driving around with this giant spider on the back of the limo. They manage to drive under a uh, a low-hanging ceiling, like part of a warehouse or something like that. So the spider just gets slammed off of this thing. <laughs> so they think they're scot-free. They're driving off towards the bridge. But then, of course, the bridge gets blown up. Because the the rival gang leader, the mob boss or whatever, is this giant whale. And that's the reason why his gang is made up of mostly crabs. And so the whale, he's blocking <laughs> the, the passage off. He's like, you can't beat me, Blitch. I'm too big for you. you. You can never be as big as me. And he's just laughing like a cartoon villain. So Blitch is just like, fuck it. We're just going to drive through him. <laughs> so they just <laughs> drive the limousine into the mouth of this whale. And we get to see like the whale's insides and stuff, all of its guts and things like that. 
the inside of the whale it's all like puppety shit though so it's like dangly fabric as like the intestine yeah. like hang in and it's like a big pocket uh like the amusement park things where it's obviously like layers yeah. of like sheets you know that they're like pushing on the yeah it's so funny dude it's so good but yeah trevor's asking like where do we go boss and butch is just saying just drive towards the light we can't fail <laughs> we just go that way so they drive off and they drive off the other side of this whale through its anus <laughs> and <laughs> conveniently he's made a bridge for them so they just drive off the other side and make it off scot-free and then the whale sinks into the water because he's fucking dead <laughs> it's so funny it blows the whole back out it's a big giant dude. whale dude so good Ticket watch mine. Don't try to stop us. You're out of your league, little fella. Kiss your ass. Good boy. <laughs> Take him out, Trevor. <laughs> Which way, boss? Left or right? Follow the light. <laughs> change my suit i'm covered in ambergris now they head back to the theater after that heidi is excited to go on we see harry and he's uh the fly has printed all the 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 photos and given them to the newspaper so there's this guy outside literally right outside the theater just <laughs> handing out newspapers and the, of course the front line is how harry's got this big std and he's only got so long to live and he looks like shit you know just uh what's that not the inquirer but it's like tmz kind of levels of like just smutty kind of news of just shitting on celebrities and stuff like that just yeah headline it's like, graphic newspaper kind of graphic. it's the little newspaper boy from like the 50s being like read all about it rabbits dying <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. While that kid's yelling about the newspaper or whatever, the boss walrus just happens to drive by and grabs the paper out of the kid's hand. And he <laughs> find, that's how he finds out about the rabbit news, and he's pissed. He's like, oh, fuck, on tonight yeah. of all nights? Yeah, he's gonna ruin the whole premiere. <laughs> yeah, so everyone's nervous. The Fox director is nervous. Everyone's, they don't know what's gonna happen, but they decide to just start doing the numbers anyway. And things are starting to go off pretty well. Bletch and the worm, they're, they're watching from the, the upper balcony. And they, they share a, a big fat cigar together, like a big, huge armed Schwarzenegger stogie, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the worm says something along the lines of, oh, I haven't had one of these since my 21st. And so I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but. Yeah, he's like, this is finally going to make us a star, worm. Yeah, exactly. We see the frog as he's shooting up in the bathroom. And we see his vision. He's getting all bleary and all the colors <laughs> are going crazy and stuff. He passes uh, out on the toilet. He 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 shoots up. He <laughs> passes the fuck out. So he's done. <laughs> the fox is excited though. He goes to Bletch and he tells him that not only is it going well, but uh, it's going to be a syndicated series. Oh yeah, I also forgot to mention that uh, before the show goes off, we get to see a have a look into the crowd. And since this is such a low budget movie, not all of the the characters in the crowd are are <laughs> actually animals or even people in costume. Some of them yeah. are literally just cardboard cutouts. But we do get a quick shot of a. Uh, of a dude in the uh, the bad taste alien mask. Yep. One of the trivia I read was that apparently that's Peter Jackson just sitting in that mask in the crowd. And yeah. We, who, who, knows, who knows, though? There's so little information about this movie that it's 
it's hard to to verify that, but I'm willing to believe it. That's a trivia I had too. Yeah, no, why not, dude? I mean, it's only a second movie. Yeah. I guarantee he's in here more often than that. Oh yeah. We get to Harry though. He's in his dressing room and he's he's popping boils. He's trying to cover up what he can <laughs> with makeup and it's just not going well at all. Lucy tries to, to go up to Wobbert as he's doing his backhand stage thing. She's trying to tell him like he's got it all wrong. She's trying to explain herself. He's still just too pissed. He he can't believe it. He tells her that they're officially broken up and he never wants to see her again. And he runs off and she's all in tears. There's like what madness though. Like while while he's worried about all this behind the scenes, like everything's going wrong. But on stage, everything's perfect. Like it's wonderful and the crowd loves yeah, it. Exactly. But behind yeah, behind the scenes, it's just full blown chaos, dude. Exactly. Yeah, the whole time we hear the crowd like laughing and like enjoying the show and stuff. And like you said, just just utter chaos in the back. Trevor goes backstage though. He's telling everybody there's a huge stinky shit in the bathroom. <laughs> and everyone's like, why would you tell us this? That's fucking gross, dude. But of course the fly is like, ooh, shit. I'm all over that. So he flies off to the bathroom. And of course it's a trap. Bletch actually catches him in his hand. And he's making him pay for, for ruining one of his big stars and almost ruining the premiere night. He tears off his left wing. And Trevor makes some offhand joke about how he's a left wing journalist or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and then Bletch just squeezes him, squeezes him in his hand, and then he just goo just flies all over the place. Flies dead, drops him in the toilet, and flushes him down. <laughs> and Trevor says, "That's what I call impartial journalism, right there." <laughs> As Bletch is heading back to his office, though, all the lights are off, and turns out Heidi is waiting there for him. She's in a robe with lingerie underneath it. And she's feeling all sexy, feeling all confident because she nailed her numbers, and she's trying to seduce him again. She takes off the robe and then takes off the bra, and she's got huge, massive tits with big, Hell pointy yeah. nipples. <laughs> and we've been seeing the the nipples like through her dresses and stuff through the whole movie. So of course, the scene was going to happen eventually. I wrote my notes. <laughs> I put "Long live Peter Jackson." <laughs> <laughs> His greatest accomplishment. Yeah, it's so uh, funny. Too good. I love this movie, man. Mm. But he's disgusted by her, and he he knows that he doesn't need her anymore. Because he's got a syndicated series now. That's uh, that's what the Fox is telling him. The producers want to make this a big budget production and they're going to give him all this money to, to just set him up for life, essentially. Hello, Fletch. Heidi, what the hell are you doing here? Congratulations. The show is a wonderful success. What do you want? Our encounter this afternoon was so brief. I thought you might like a second helping. Heidi, for Christ's sake, put your dress back on. Come and sit next to me. If it's too hot for you, I can turn on the air conditioning. I'm hot, Fletch, but not the way you think. You're not feeling shy, are you, Fletch? Do you remember that time in Paris? We didn't leave the hotel for three whole days. I remember all right. I had to go to the hospital with severe chafing. Kiss me, Bletch. Get away from me, oh. shuddering mound of blubber. Have you any idea how revolting you look? Bletch, no. You disgust me. Look at you. You're old and you're fat and you smell bad. No. I was going to wait till after the show, but I might as well tell you now. You're through with the feebles. I don't need you. I got a syndicated series, and I'm grooming Samantha to be the star. No. 
I hope you enjoyed tonight. That was your last performance. Now get out of here! <laughs> so he tells her off. He's he's telling her his, his true feelings, how he thinks she's ugly and fat and she smells bad. And she's <laughs> her mind just breaks from this. She runs off naked into the, the back room. And she's hallucinating that all the cast members are laughing at her. And she's just a, a wreck at this point. He fires her uh, too. He says, you're done. I don't need yeah. it. Yeah. He's been grooming that Siamese cat lady to be his, his next big star. Yeah. She runs off into her room. We get Harry. He's uh, doing the same thing he did at the, the beginning of the show. He's coming down in his big carrot. And uh, <laughs> the carrot top opens up. But instead of him jumping out and being all excited, he's crawling out. <laughs> he's at just the worst. He looks like he's melting at this point. And yeah. he's the first words he speaks, he can't even get them out. He just vomits all over the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like the first sign of the audience that something's wrong. This is the first part where they're they're n- negatively nervous. <laughs> he's passed out. They try to close up the, the carrot top and it, it rockets off to the back of the stage and he's just like hanging out the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's all brown and shit. Like he looks so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man to try and placate the audience the the fox director has the the elephant guy just go out and and try and tell jokes and he's just complaining the whole time like oh i don't have anything prepared oh no <laughs> but the audience doesn't realize this they think it's all part of the act and so he's just doing his best just trying out whatever material he has and the audience is eating it up though so he's doing his best cut back to heidi though she's in her her uh her dressing room and she writes a, a suicide note in, in lipstick on the mirror and she she's got a a, a rope made of clothes to, to hang in a noose and as she she puts her head into it she falls and falls through the floor and then it springs her back up towards the ceiling again and then falls again and it just breaks the ceiling down on top of her we go back to the elephant and he's he's trying to wrap up his bit and saying like oh we're doing this part next so put your hands together for this and then of course the the chicken lady i don't know how she got backstage but she comes off on the other side and it's this big domestic dispute quarrel between them and the audience just think it's like some sitcom but (laughs) she's like tell him off for being a a deadbeat dad and he's (laughs) all embarrassed and stuff like that and then the the baby crawls on stage and they just the audience loses their shit at this and just like oh my god uh, it's so funny it's like it's jerry like, springer dude <laughs> yeah exactly uh, the elephant runs off though partially out of embarrassment but partially also because he he told the director that he had to piss before he went on stage so he's he's running off and he's like oh i'm not gonna make it he's holding his shorts he's running into the bathroom and of course the stalls are different heights for the different kinds of animals or whatever but he just runs up to the first stall he sees and he whips his dick out and he just pisses all over the place <laughs> and it's like a fire hose he's getting it all over on the other guys and stuff and the guy the other guy's like i gotta go on in five minutes <laughs> put that away dude again another conquer kind of theme dude he's just dousing dude, these, yeah. these, this poor family come back to heidi again though she uh got into to bletch's armory his stash of guns she's in his office now too i think and she's got a, an M60 pointed into her mouth. And she's got this big jerry-rigged string pole system that she's going to use to try and shoot herself. Just as she's about to do it, though, Siamese cat lady walks in. And she's just playing it off. She says, oh, I didn't think you'd be in here. And she just walks off towards the closet. And then she's like, oh, I forgot this in here. And just as she's about to leave, she says, you might want to turn the uh, the safety off. You're not going to get anywhere with it on. 
And this is enough to completely just tip Heidi off. She turns the gun around and points it right at her and calls her a slut and just blows her away with a fucking M60 round. It's awesome, dude. We get to the frog on stage because the fox uh, fox director pulls him out from the bathroom because he's still <laughs> high as fuck. <laughs> Literally just drags him out on stage and forces him to do his knife act. Wobbert, thankfully, isn't tied up to the thing at all. He's just standing in front of the big spinning wheel. And the frog, he's he's all woozy. He can't even see straight. But as he's looking at Wobbert, he, he's hallucinated that it's one of the Viet Cong gophers. <laughs> and so he's throwing knives at him, intentionally trying to, to stab him. And then he, he accidentally lets loose with one of the knives and it goes up into the air. He's looking around trying to see where it is and it falls directly on his head and impales him and kills him instantly. The audience just goes fucking crazy at this. <laughs> they think it's a part of the show. It's just the craziest thing they've ever seen. So they drag his body off stage and close the curtains. They see the crowd's <laughs> chanting and everything. Like, we love it. We love it. Yeah, yeah the crowd's chanting, we want more. Yeah. We want more. <laughs> the director's like, oh, oh fuck, dude. Now what? It, this got to be my solo time. Yeah, yeah. This this is what tips him off. He's like, I don't care. I don't care what Bush says. We've got the whole thing prepared. I'm I'm going on stage. I'm doing my number. We cut to Harry though. He's in his dressing room. He's got all the lights down, and he's at his wits' end. He's praying to Frog Jesus. There's just a crucifix with like a Kermit the Frog on it instead of instead of Jesus. Yeah. As it would happen conveniently, his doctor calls him at just that moment, and the doctor says he's made a boo boo. Instead, it's actually just bunny pox, and that uh, he just needs to be in bed for a week and, and take some aspirin, and he'll be fine. And so so Harry is just elated at this. He's like, oh, I'm not going to die. My life is amazing. Oh, I can't believe it. And he runs off. He's trying to tell everyone he can. Nobody's backstage at this point, but he's just yelling out to the heavens like, I don't got it. I'm going to live. And then Heidi just guns him down with just a barrage <laughs> of bullets. Right when he's like finally ready to live his life, dude. He's, in the whole last 10 hours, <laughs> he was slowly decaying. <laughs> but then we get the, the big number, the climax of the movie. The fox guy goes on. He's got his number prepared. The The music's starting to swell. And this, this stage he's prepared is like a... It's covered in like diamond glitter. It's like all silvery and bright. But it's a, a big stairwell. And then adjacent to the stairwell is two big statues that look like penises. Uh, yeah, they're straight dicks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Bletch is looking at this in disbelief. He says, oh, he wouldn't dare. And then Trevor turns to him and he goes, oh, yes, he would, boss. And the music swells up and we get one of the best songs in the whole movie. It's literally called the Sodomy Song. <laughs> it's just a musical number about how sodomy is his favorite pastime and how much he loves it. That's fun. Open up your ring and try it from to bum, 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 you must think it very hard of me that I enjoy the act of sodomy. You might fall out of the god on me, but if you cry, then you might on me that you enjoy the act of sodomy. Sodomy! But as this number's going through, we see Heidi backstage just running around, gunning people down with this M60. All these puppets are like flying to pieces, like blood is squirting out of them. Some of them are getting decapitated for some reason, and blood is just flying all over the place. This whole and time on stage, everybody... he's he's going, Sodomy, I love sodomy. It's <laughs> <laughs> the craziest so shit. Good. Yeah. 
it's insane and i read too as part of the trivia uh one of the few bits of trivia that actually exists about this movie that uh apparently they couldn't get blank rounds for this thing which i don't know how you can get an m60 in new zealand and not get blank rounds at least for it so they just had to use real rounds so they were actually just tearing through these fucking puppets that they'd made and just like obliterating them so this must have been like one of the last scenes they shot because they just absolutely annihilate all these puppets. It's so insane. I was actually thinking, I had that same trivia. I was actually thinking about that when I, I watched the trailer again just before the show to like have a refresher. And the shot when she's walking down the mm-hmm. hall is, it's obviously a guy on, he's laying down on the floor on wheels. So she's just like shooting mm-hmm. left and right above him, you know, the whole time, like a POV shot. And exactly. I'd be so nervous that oh, there, yeah, there would yeah. be like one fucking person, you know, like... Because this gun's massive, man. That's a, a 60 caliber round. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, exactly like you said. Like, I'd hate to be that cameraman because it's like, what oh, if yeah. the actor, like, he probably can't fucking see in that thing. So, like, what if he tripped and, like, was pulling the trigger? And, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. Well, and the rounds are going to be coming down on you hot as shit, too, because it's a giant roll oh, yeah. of rounds, a Gatling gun, you know? Exactly. <laughs> it's awesome. It's fucking incredible, though. That whole, that whole scene's so cool. Oh, uh, so good it's the highlight of the movie every time it comes on i, I never get tired of watching this movie because that scene always makes it every single time oh yeah for sure so then once the sodomy number is over <laughs> bletch bletch leans over to trevor and says trevor i want that fudge packer eliminated <laughs> 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 and we cut back to heidi though she's walking down the hall there's some lady who's trying to calmly get Heidi to put the gun down. She just goes, oh, going around killing people isn't going to solve anything. So Heidi just turns to her and just blows her <laughs> the fuck away. She doesn't care about what anyone says. She's she's had it, dude. We go to the final number, though. It's the it's the number from the beginning of the movie. But, uh, of course, the like more than half the cast has been annihilated at this <laughs> point. And so there's hardly anybody on stage. But Heidi comes down on her big moon, just swinging in, just guns blazing into the audience. Everyone's freaking out and running into the theater at this point. She guns down at the piano player guy, and he bl- blows off his other legs. <laughs> he doesn't have any legs. <laughs> and she's just blowing away the whole chorus line and everybody on stage. The elephant guy, he runs off. He tries to get into cover. As Heidi lands and just starts shooting at everybody she can, the, uh, the chicken mom... She's still on stage for some reason, and she tries to pull the elephant chicken son away. Heidi looks over to, to her because the, the baby's making all this noise, and she just shoots the chicken mom's <laughs> head off. <laughs> she's laying out on the floor, just all bloody. And she's going to go kill the baby, too. But then the, the elephant guy, he finally has his, his moment in the sun, his, his, his redemption. He runs off to him, blows his knees away, and he falls just before his son in time to cover him. Yeah. And as he's, like, crawling over to him, he smashes the chicken's head and just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah he just in disregard he doesn't care the fox director he's hiding from all this carnage and in, inside the big carrot and heidi manages to to shoot over at it and it's got this rocket propelled system in it so it, it flies off and into the wall and explodes we don't see what happens if he's dead or not but it's just absolute carnage on stage she's about to shoot lucy as well but then Robert comes in swinging in from the rafters manages to pick her up just in time as as a hail of bullets comes at her and Robert says that he, he couldn't stand like seeing her get gunned down even though he's mad at her and it's at this point that lucy finally gets the story out and tells tells him the whole truth and Robert's like oh trevor that that dirty rat <laughs> yeah he's like i still want to get married i love you yeah so then Bletch, he's up in the rafters still, or in the the, the, the big seats that, that only the rich people get to sit on. 
And he's he's yelling at it, down at her. He says, Tidy, put the gun down. And she has a moment where she thinks about it, but then she just shoots it out from underneath him. So he falls down onto the stage. He's leaning up at her, and he as she's got the gun pointed at him, and he goes, "Oh, I still love you, though." <laughs> and this is enough for her to, to drop the gun in her moment of weakness. Trevor comes up behind her with a sawn off, though, blows her in the ass, and she gets knocked to the floor from that. <laughs> Immediately, Bletch is just like, "Shoot her, Trevor! Gun her! Shoot her down! <laughs> yeah, kill her! I hate her! She sucks!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But Robert, he's he's still got the rope, so he he bravely goes in. He knocks Trevor over and knocks gets rolls off into the backstage. This gives Heidi enough time to to pick up the M60 again and just blows Trevor the fuck away. His his doll, like more than any other one, just gets torn to pieces. Like every limb just gets taken apart at the joints, and just blood is just flying everywhere. It's insane. Yeah, it's just like a blood sack. She nukes it, dude. Yeah, Bletch tries to jump on her in the last act of desperation, and he, he, she's got the gun just directly in his mouth and just blows out the back of his head. Total carnage. She empties That's the, the end, whole though, after. She the, em- Sorry, my, uh, she empties the whole clip into yeah. his head. She just goes like, bah, all her last rage out, dude. That's right, that's right. Yeah, she she pulls in until the gun goes click. And that's that's finally enough for her to calm down. So she, she gets back up, still standing. The worm guy, he comes up from off stage and tells her, like, I'm sorry to do this, but I have to call the cops on you. And as we hear the sirens blaring in the background, she's like, can you do one more thing? Can you play my number one more time? And so he plays it on the loudspeakers. So she does the number one last time on stage. On a magic night, when the way you feel is a mystery, it will be revealed. Could be an angel from up above. We get to, to hear it one last time as we get the credits played over. And we get a, a little epilogue thing, like we always see in 1980s movies, where it's like, where are they now, kind of thing. We get to see still frames of the characters who actually managed to survive. The the elephant and his, his son, they, they're living as horticulturists. He's, he's like an apple farmer now. And he's got, <laughs> like, implants for his knees. Uh, the, the worm guy received a, an OBE which is a, uh, a British thing. It's a Most Excellent Order of the British Empire Award. It's awarded to people who have done outstanding service. I'm assuming he got it for keeping what little people he could alive and for... It, the movie says he did it for, for a lifetime career in, in theater or whatever, and so he took it and just required, retired out to the countryside. We see him in like a little sweater, and he's got like a garden in front of a little cottage. The Fox director, Sebastian... He achieved worldwide fame for his bestseller, The Feeble Variety Massacre, One Man's Act of Heroism. He's <laughs> negotiating the film rights. Uh, Wobbert and Lucy, they are married with two kids, and Wobbert is now an award-winning photographer for a women's magazine. And then the final shot is Heidi. She's, she's a lot skinnier now. Uh, after 10 years in a women's penitentiary, 
she got reformed and she's assuming a new identity and uh, her new full-time job is just being a, a counter clerk for a large supermarket and then we get the credits wingnut productions peter jackson his greatest film in my opinion disregard yep. lord of the rings anything else he's done it doesn't it pales in comparison to this greatest, <laughs> one of the greatest films of all time that's a large thing to Meet say. Meet the feebles. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my honest opinion, though. I could watch this movie till the end of time, and it would never get old for me. No, I totally understand it rocks. Yeah, everyone made it out. Uh, Well, everyone who survived <laughs> made it out pretty okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, too good. And at the end of the credits, we get a little blurb that says, no puppets were killed or maimed in the production of this yep. film. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Too good. How many uh, M60 rounds out of five would you give this movie? <laughs> Real rounds, since we don't have any fake ones. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'd give this a full five out of five. This movie rocks. What's funny is I didn't know. I honestly got did not know it was like a Muppet costume movie or whatever. So when I saw mm -hmm. uh, the poster on IMDb, I didn't even watch the trailer. I never do anyway, but I was like, hell yeah, I'm stoked. Mm -hmm. Did my whole normal routine and just had a blast with it, dude. It was fun. I'm glad you got surprised by that. Because, yeah, I thought it was like an animated thing, too, before I watched it. And then it was like, oh, it's puppets. And then yeah. the first the first time I watched it was all the way back in high school. But like I said, one of my favorite pastimes. I don't know if it's due to my mostly Catholic upbringing and seeking out <laughs> horrible shit to, to counteract all of the, the lies that religious institutions try and tell you. <laughs> and trying to see, like, all the sick, nasty shit you can. Or if it's just mild, morbid curiosity, but just one of those fateful 3 a.m. nights just looking up shit. I think I was just looking up stuff about Peter Jackson and his filmography and stuff and just found this and just, just bewildered by it. And even back then, the movie was still on YouTube, so I just watched the whole thing in full right then and there, and I was just blown away. Oh, yeah, this is definitely one of those movies that would get mislabeled on LimeWire or something, and you would end up watching mm -hmm. on accident. Dude, I found so many movies that same way. Like I've said in past episodes, dude, I'm a sucker for puppets in horror movies, let alone anything else. You know, come on. They're <laughs> fucking awesome in, like, any scenario, dude. I have a trivia, yeah. actually. Uh, a couple. Some of them we've already covered, but uh, this whole movie, not one real human was shown. It was, like, real-world environments and stuff, yeah. but it was just the people in suits or muppets. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And the only other one that I, we didn't cover... This was actually an inspiration for an Australian children's show after this, which only aired for... <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was called uh, The Ferals, and it only lasted one year, but it was, like, the same idea, but, like, very toned down, obviously. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I saw that as well, and I immediately looked it up, and I... I thought from that trivia that they meant that it was, like, in similar theme and, and stuff same. like that. No, yeah. it's, 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 it's just, like, a Muppets show. Yeah. But, man but i mean without yeah, this movie sorry well without this movie like you said earlier you wouldn't have like that new movie but also stuff like greg the bunny or even to the smaller degree like cranky anchors and shit you know oh for sure yeah i'm sure this this movie must have inspired a ton of creative people especially people who like working with puppets just yeah. like yeah definitely if, if something like this can if something like this can get made, then you can you can do anything. Part of the charm of puppets but, uh, and stuff, man, is is uh, they're timeless, dude. Like this movie's in the yeah. '80s and it's still awesome. But if it was like an animated '80s movie, it would show so horribly. That's true. Yeah, and like I said at the beginning, like even with the film grain, it, it gives the movie sort of like a grindhouse charm. It doesn't so much make it look dated or old as much as it makes it seem just kind of like grimy and stuff. Yeah, I love this movie. Um, <laughs> 
all, all of Peter Jackson stuff is like this. And so when I when I showed this movie to my friends and uh, Dead Alive, one of his other movies, which we should definitely cover it at some point. Oh, we uh, have to. All of Peter Jackson's movies, Dead Alive, this one, um, Bad Taste, they're all super gross, super crazy over-the-top practical effects. And so we always joke about w- which movie did Hollywood producers see that got Peter Jackson the gig to work Lord of the Rings? Like, like <laughs> yeah, cool looked at who looked at peter jackson's background and filmography and thought like you know what we should give this guy this insanely high budget like high concept movie idea and just like let him do whatever he wants with it it was literally somehow yeah it was a massive leap and they were like let's let him film all three at once also and we'll release them like (laughs) over a decade or whatever exactly (laughs) unreal well i think i've said about as much as i can say about this movie is there anything else you wanted to add Billy? Uh, no, man. Uh, this movie rocks, like we've said a million times. Uh, see it somehow. Uh, show your kids, even. Yeah. It's, <laughs> who cares? Uh, yeah. yeah, Muppets rock, dude. Especially Muppets in real-life scenarios. It's really funny. For sure, for sure. If you don't mind quality, like I said, as of this recording, it's still up on YouTube in its entirety. You can watch it on a lot of different streaming services, though. Uh, so whatever you can do, whatever you want to do, go watch this movie. You owe it to yourself. One of the greatest films of all time, in my opinion, at least. Great movie for our podcast, at least. <laughs> fits with our, our general dynamic so well. Yeah, and, right on. Uh, I hope to do more movies like. <laughs> I hope to do more movies like this in the future. More Peter Jackson films, especially. We got to do his whole. Well, maybe not his whole filmography, but definitely the highlights. And Hell yeah! To us here at Dick Talk Flicks, as we've said before, with actors, do so with your favorite directors as well. Look through their filmography and their past. See what kind of crazy shit they did before they made some of your favorite movies and give them a give them a watch. You'll be pleasantly surprised, I'm sure. And good night and have fun out there. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's all I got. The anteater's nose was his penis, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that. Goodbye. That was fun. Thanks, man. Hell yeah. Th- thank you for doing all the editing and recording and stuff. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for listening to me ramble about one of my favorite dumb movies of all time. I did. Uh, I might have underestimated understated it in the in the podcast. The more I thought about it, watching it again, like this is probably maybe in my top ten. Like I, this movie is fucking awesome. <laughs>